Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. Reclamation is a project that we have started to explore faith and what it might look like outside of institutional churches. Our conviction is that someone losing faith in the church doesn't necessarily mean that they've lost their faith. Our passion is for an authentic pursuit of faith that impacts every area of our lives and world. Our hope is to help spiritually displaced people reclaim their role in God's story. Hello, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> it's morning for us, mm-hmm. and we are here, Allison. And Josh. Welcome Cheers. to Reclamation Faith, everybody. We've got our Zeke's Coffee, oh, freshly Baltimore, ground, Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore blend, Charm City blend. Uh, this is, oh my gosh, it's so good. If it you're ever in Baltimore, good. pick up a bag. I'm glad you took the extra effort to grind this and make it. <laughs> they are not sponsoring us for this. Josh, I feel Yet. like there's like this glimmer Yet. of hope in Josh's yeah, yeah. eye. <laughs> Maybe we can get them. Uh, well, it's not very local based. Our podcast is not very city based. We get a few downloads from the area, <laughs> but maybe Zeke's is looking We're to expand and they just are, are, they're just waiting for the right podcast to come along. <laughs> Those uh, displaced Christians are really drinking the Joe. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, we are here. We're here to talk about Bruno. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we were just... <laughs> I just almost said that's the corniest joke I've ever said. Wow. And then you said And then I went, in, went over and above. Uh, no, we're, we're not going to talk about Bruno, but we were just before talking about Encanto. And, and I, how much I love it. We're, we're going to do a family, like like my family, reviewing. movie night mm-hmm. and then have some some good food together so I'm excited about that for tomorrow it would be a really good movie to talk about in terms of like deconstruction how so well there's so much in there about like the the weight of expectation and sort of like this need to perform and the, yeah. the metaphor of the house that's like cracking under all of that Ooh, pressure and it eventually your favorite metaphor head. is eventually deconstructed <laughs> <laughs> that's well, true to reveal what was always most important that's right Jesus and they have to kind of rebuild kidding, but and, maybe <laughs> and rebuild from the ground up so yes there's a lot there but we're not talking about Encanto today even though Shoot, we Josh, like, we could have like most parents in this country are obsessed with it and have the music in our heads constantly constantly oh my goodness I kind of wish we hadn't just said all of that because we could have just done an episode well a few people request it. Maybe we can do a special <laughs> circle back. But no, no, we are going to be talking That's today. That's the only fun thing you'll hear on this podcast <laughs> yeah, today. Time to get serious. <laughs> we are going to be talking today about something that might at first glance seem a bit self-evident or kind of like, well, yeah, duh. Um, but that is kind of like this question of Jesus being for everyone. And the reason that we're talking about this, <laughs> Allison's looking very confused. <laughs> I just thought you'd have a better reveal, but go for it. <laughs> Keep going. I'll just put my cards Save on the it. table. Save this circle back. Part of what we want to do with Reclamation is obviously reclaim. And mm-hmm. reclaiming is part of that is the story, right? Like learning to retell the story 
and see what are the ways where our kind of like misunderstandings of the story or the ways that we've told the story have led to problems and areas that need to be revisited mm-hmm. and given new life, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you kind of like step back and look like really big picture, like, okay, we're going to retell this story. We're going to talk about like the meaning of, of Jesus and Christianity and all of this stuff. Like, well, one of the big questions you, you start with is kind of like, well, who is this story for? Mm-hmm. Why should anyone care about yeah, this story? Like, I mean, yeah, if you're thinking about it from a literary perspective, of course, like who's mm-hmm. your audience is a great question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's always a degree to which I think stories are intended for a certain audience. They can be read or heard by anyone, but mm-hmm. they have like a special significance, right, mm-hmm. or perspective for a certain audience. Mm-hmm. And I think that the one maybe most unique thing about the story of God is that that is not the case, right? right. It is for everyone. It right. is for a universal audience in every yeah. sense of that word. And that's a really beautiful thing that is unfortunately very often missed. Right. In part because we're used to limiting stories. Hmm. You know? Interesting. Yeah. So I think that, you know, when I think about, well, who is this story for? The story all, of Jesus. The story, yeah, of Jesus, of God. Like who is, oh, oh, the whole thing. The okay. whole thing. The whole okay. thing. Okay, okay. It's, it's limited in ways today that I think are, are creating a lot of the problems that we see, right, in... Mm-hmm. Christian culture or institutional churches or things like that. So mm-hmm. when we make that story for less than its intended mm-hmm. audience, then suddenly the story has to change. The story right. has to shift. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, I wonder if people are thinking right now in their own minds about this <laughs> question anyway, but who do you think currently the Christian story has been told for like what's the audience mm-hmm. of the story of Jesus of the um, Christian narrative I guess you could say yeah I think that largely the ways that people are mistelling the story today uh-huh, uh-huh. is as a way to bolster existing identity right okay. so like this is a story for us and people who think like us yeah and that is not the story as we'll get right, into. Right, right. But if if that's the case, like that's that's a huge problem, right? Because if this is a story, if this story that I'm telling myself is just for people who already think like me, believe like me, or who might come to think and believe like me, then it creates intrinsically like a really limiting narrative. It, it creates Absolutely. a narrative that's about us and then people who are not like us. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. It's interesting. I'm reading right now um, a really popular book, uh, Jesus and John Wayne. Oh my gosh, this book. I'm not done with it, but it's it's a tough, thick, important read. And a lot of what the author is discussing are the ways in which kind of like this, you know, over the last few decades, this sense of like an embattled Christianity has really led Christians to circle the wagons, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of lean into this self-protective identity like this is a story and we are sort of like God's you know remnant in the world and the world that's against us and that fear-based mentality has really led Christianity in particular you know white evangelical Christianity to get in bed with some pretty unsavory movements or ideologies yeah absolutely yeah so how does that fit with the audience question sure sure um, well, it 
then means that we learn to tell the story in a way that affirms everything we already believe okay. and affirms the wrongness or otherness e- of everyone else. Yeah. Okay. And so that's obviously, that plays out really extremely when you're talking about like really hateful movements yeah. or like really like fringe kind of extremism. But I think it plays out in other ways too. Like what happens in churches when the story that a church carries is just oh, for the people who are yes. already in the church, yeah, right? Yeah. Like as an example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Oof. and haven't finished it yet. Another hard one. Another hard one. And so good. Every single episode, I'm just like, my oh, world is rocked slightly. <laughs> um, but a big part of the most recent episodes that I've listened to have been on Brandy, their branding one, mm-hmm. and um, like also those a few previous to that, which were on the the often quoted narrative of mega churches of this Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. so like Bill Hybels or Mark Driscoll, mm-hmm. who um, they tell you know they kind of give like this backstory of like oh like. I was supposed, like, whatever it is for each of those people that's different stories, but kind of rugged individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, like, oh, we just started this thing in our basement or yeah, in the garage. It was like in a living room. And there were like six a- of us. Exactly. And, yeah. and then, and I mean, that's, this is something I've heard multiple times yeah. from huge churches. And now look at us. Like, yeah. but okay, so what it does is, for one thing, as I'm listening to this, I'm like, okay, that centers the narrative around that man not around jesus it's Mm -hmm. not jesus who is saved it's that man Mm -hmm. who is saved the narrative of the church um and then the other thing it does is that the oftentimes not always mega church pastors with that sort of narrative then the message becomes an us versus them get those people in our city or in this community on our team because mm-hmm. this is our mission. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, there's a couple, you know, sound bites of sermons and talks um, of these men kind of appropriating scripture to make it look as though they themselves were the Nehemiah or this church is the, the, the light of the world instead of, no, actually that's about the kingdom. Yeah. That's about actually... Nehemiah, you know. Um, so anyway, just sort of on the local level, mm-hmm. not I'm taking it down a few notches to the megachurch, <laughs> yeah. that we're also seeing that played out on that level as well. In so many ways, yeah. And I think that a lot of the reasons like that people are leaving churches or, or feeling very dissatisfied with Christianity as it exists, like so much deconstruction, so much displacement, so many people spinning, is there is this sense that in one way or another, Christianity exists for Christians, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's maybe that's like... the point. That's like what we're getting to. Yeah. Christianity exists for Christians. Yeah, or like maybe the, another way we were talking about it, and the thesis of today's episode mm-hmm. is the Jesus of Christianity tends to exist for Christians. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the Christianity of Jesus exists for the world wow okay do it say it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the jesus of christianity tends to exist for christians but the faith or the the religious ideal of jesus we don't want to say the christianity of jesus because that wasn't a thing but mm-hmm. jesus's view was it was universal it mm-hmm. was for the world it was mm-hmm. god's work for all people mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. at all times mm-hmm. 
And so that can be, you know, if, if Jesus of Christianity exists for Christians, that could be as extreme as Jesus wants to create this Christian nation and we have to fight. And so we're going to storm the Capitol on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Or it, it could be, you know, as kind of subtle and, and normative as, okay, like 97% of our church budget goes to existing church programs mm-hmm. and our entire church really exists to get more people into the church and, you know, to come and be here with us and worship like us and think like us. And, you know, again, I, I want to say like, there's nothing wrong with people joining your church. There's nothing wrong with your church wanting to like meet people and impact yeah. the community. But if our view of the, the spirituality that Jesus kind of instills in us Mm -hmm. the the spirits leading is just about affirming the things we're already doing and you know negotiating the things we already believe then that's not going to impact most of the world that's going to create an us and them category Mm -hmm. the problem is you know so many of us we enter the christian story midstream we don't we we start going to church or maybe we start listening to church if we've been brought up in it at a certain point and the story's already being told you know week yeah. in and week yeah. out from this from the pulpit or in the bible we we can we enter into a place where we're already hearing the story as it's being told so rarely do we step back and kind of ask well wait a second you know what is what are the foundations here what is this story doing on on a particular sunday it might be like oh you're learning how to you know trust god in the midst of suffering or something but it's like that's great but very rarely do we hear in church okay like god's story 101 who is this for and it's not just our church and that's a problem so a lot of us i don't think we tend to stop and think about this it's kind of like well really who is this story for hmm wow okay so something that keeps i keep thinking about is i don't think that the reason behind this problem, if we want to call it that, is all negative. Hmm. Because I think part of it is it's tough to follow Jesus. Okay. It's I think it's hard to be a Christian. Sure, sure. Um, in this world, I think it was probably hard for any year ever <laughs> in the last 2,000 so years. Um, and so part of why the Christian story is told for Christians is because we're trying to build ourselves up with songs and spiritual, you know, you know, the verse I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and like build up our community to rest more firmly and, and find more, more peace Mm -hmm. in Jesus. And so there's emphasis on that. And I think that's found in the Bible and it's also necessary. Yeah. Um, so I think there's like an, uh, a leg of this problem that is actually just people trying to support who's in the community already. Right. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely agree with that. And I, I don't want to say for a second, there's anything wrong with me being included in the, for everyone or, you know, and another mm. way of putting that is saying like, yeah, please like allocate resources and time yeah. to helping the body of believers. I think that is something that we see in scripture a lot. It's like, right. Prioritize that. That's that's important. But in that act of prioritizing, don't forget who this story is really about, yeah, which yeah. is every single person you've yes, ever met. Yes. And and that's I think the disconnect. You know, this isn't a this isn't a problem that we Christians care about each other. It's a problem that we don't care about others. Yes. And that's where yeah, that's I think so well said. Right. I think that's where the disillusionment we're seeing in the world is stemming from in part. 
in part, right? Like the political allegiances and captivity of the church to politics, the anger and the kind of xenophobia or Mm -hmm. the anti-justice movements, all of that tends to stem from this sense of, oh, Christians are embattled and villainized and we, you know, we just need to get back to this, I don't know, 1950s utopia Mm -hmm. where we were in power. And Mm -hmm. and that, I think, is because we don't see this story as being for that quote-unquote enemy the or other. neighbor right. or whatever. Right. Well, and I think because we're living in this time from such a place of fear, like you're, I love that image, especially because we're watching Deadwood, <laughs> <laughs> of the wagons being circled up. Mm. Um, and we're, I, th- yeah, so many of us, so much of cultural Christianity is rooted in sniffing out the problem yeah. instead of sniffing out the spirit. Right? Like, what's out there? Oh, my gosh. Like, this is totally a sign of the end times. And, like, or this is going to lead your children astray. Like, let's name all the evils that are out there right now and focus on those, which, I don't know, I guess has a place, but not a central place by any means. Yeah. Um, Whereas instead, like, actually, if we believed this story of God, if we believed God's redemption was for all people and that God's kingdom is somehow at work out there outside Mm. of our wagon roundup, (laughs) um, then we could, should be on the lookout for the movement of the spirit out there in the wilderness. And like, what is God up to out there that we could be part of or that we could point to? Yeah. Or we could worship him through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like that is absolutely the way that Jesus talked about the kingdom, yeah. that the kingdom of God is on the move. And mm-hmm. I, I want to step back a little bit before we get really into that to talk about like, well, why can we claim that this story is for everyone, right? When you read the Bible at face value, a lot of it is about just a specific group That's of people. That's true. Yep. You know, like it's about Israel mm-hmm. or it's about the early church or whatever. The disciples, yeah. Yeah. And so where... In that Where are we getting are we this just, idea? Are we just like trying to come up with some really fancy liberal, uh, you know, <laughs> interpretation, <laughs> equality yeah. driven right, right. kind of? But no, I mean, I think that that is it's an embedded part of the story. Right. So tell throughout. me where you see that, Josh. Well, I mean, as early as well, obviously the first twelve chapters of Genesis, the beginning of the story of God, it's it is universal. This is about all people everywhere. But well, it then, starts with God's creation of the whole earth. Right. So well, we could start go. there. We could start there, but let's just move past the obvious. Um, <laughs> I mean, Genesis twelve really like is where things start to get spe- specific, and mm-hmm. like the you could talk about the scandal of particularity, which is kind of the idea that God comes to specific particulars, like mm-hmm. people, places, times. Yep. And so in that, it starts to be like, well okay, God chose a certain ethnic group, right? Like the Jewish people. But no, no, that misses the whole intro of that entire operation of God. Genesis 12, God calls Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to create this people out of you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a nation out of you. But the whole point is in Genesis 12, God says, and I will bless you so that all peoples of the earth will be blessed through Mm -hmm. you. Right. So God is going to multiply Abraham and Mm -hmm. bless the Jewish people so that through them, the entire world can receive God's blessing. Yeah. And then from that point forward in the entire story of God, all the way up to today, that's God's MO. I'm going to raise up a specific group of people who become emblematic of the kind of thing I want to do in the whole world and in everyone's life. And even though God works with these small groups of people, 
all throughout scripture, there is also a sense in which God is continually breaking those boundaries, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking um, if we would fast forward to Jesus' time, like mm-hmm. when you talked about the scandal of the particularity, yeah, which I love. I have not heard that phrase. Um, I feel like a common, and maybe this is, you know, from my, our youth ministry days, I don't know, but I feel like a common concern of people who read scriptures like, well, Jesus healed the blind man or Jesus healed that leper. But what about all the others, mm. you know, hurting people Yeah. Um, in Jesus's day or in our day, I guess you could also make it a bigger question of that. But anyway, my point is <laughs> that you see that particular blessing in Jesus's life too mm. for individuals. And yet, that was a sign of the kingdom of God. That right. that healing was a picture, very physical picture of what it is to live in the fullness of the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Body, soul, con- combined, a yeah. healing of both. Yeah, I think we yeah. talked a little bit before about the idea of like a sign and a foretaste, right? That that's. I don't know. I don't think we have. Okay, well, that's kind of the imagery that's used in places on the way theologians sometimes talk about right. the miracles, right? That it was like a sign that would point to the kingdom and it was a foretaste of the mm-hmm. kingdom. So kind of like a taste test of what's to come. Oh, maybe we have, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the whole idea, right? It's not yes. like Jesus is just, oh, I, Loving like, these I like this one person right. better than all these others. It's like, no, this is, I'm trying to reveal to you what God's desire is for yeah. everyone. Yeah, And right. we have we struggle with that in a, like, post-enlightenment individual culture where we tend to think, well, what about all these other people? Mm-hmm. And the Bible's not in written in that culture with yes. that kind of idea in mind. It's it's about teaching. It's about demonstrating, right? Right. I well, think- I think, too, in that situation, I mean, this is a little bit of a rabbit, rabbit trail, yeah. but um, <laughs> in that situation, thinking about it, that I consider it, Jesus was both fully human and fully God, right? Mm-hmm. And so, or a Christian would say that yeah um believe that uh so there's a way in which all of us as humans including jesus as a human are bound by the limits of time and space sure and so that kind of reveals his humanity Mm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay go back into our other point (laughs) yeah we're we're jumping around a little but i want to rewind back to the old testament because this was something i was thinking about this morning that i found very interesting that so God starts off with saying, I'm going to bless all people through you. And then from there on that work begins of kind of like God revealing the kind of God he is to Israel. And what's interesting is you find as Israel grows into actually from like a tribe and a family to actually a nation with power and like boundaries and laws that you find that narrative of like the nations is persistent all through the Bible, but it becomes more and more antagonistic. So, like, as Israel becomes more of a power structure, the nations go from being a source of, like, God's desired blessing to a source of... Warfare. Yeah, persecution, warfare. You start to see prophecies against the nations, things like that. But even in that, there's this thread that God is saying, like, I'm going to be with the nations. Like, I, I think one of the 
things that people point to is in Isaiah 2. There's this passage right at the beginning where it says, In the days to come, the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so there, I think you see this kind of eschatological Mm -hmm. picture of Isaiah that what's going to happen or what God's desire is, even in the midst of a time when Israel was very embattled, is that God still longs to see all these nations, Mm -hmm. all people. And nations was a a word that meant all peoples uh, be restored and living in peace. And so the vision is still universal. Yeah. And then that brings us to Jesus, right? That out of Isaiah in particular, we see Jesus doing his ministry. I think it's funny to... It's interesting to think back to what a typical Israelite Hebrew would have been hoping for. Hmm. And truly they were hoping for, most of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> were hoping for like a um, military saving. Yeah, political they wanted, redemption. Right. They wanted those Romans off their backs and they wanted a man to come mm-hmm. and save them. And they believed God was promising that yeah. in a Messiah. Mm-hmm. So it's so coupling that with so they have they had a pretty national militaristic hope similar to what some of us do too as mm-hmm. Christians in 2022 mm-hmm. um but anyway thinking about what a human who followed God in that time was hoping for compared to what Jesus did is interesting so they yeah. see this guy who Others are claiming is the Messiah come on the scene into their lives, into their villages, maybe their families. And this person who they think might possibly be the savior, this Messiah, Mm -hmm. then breaks a lot of religious rules. And to your to our point here today, interacts with people who were not um, on the inside. They were on the outside of that wagon roundup you know and they were it like you think about the woman at the well you think about the roman centurion um there was a samaritan leper these are all people who would not who were not jewish Mm -hmm. who weren't part of the people group that every jew would have thought jesus was coming to save or the messiah was coming to save right and so even in that jesus was pushing the envelope much more than we can understand in today's reading yeah. of scripture, I think, um, through our lens. Pushing the envelope and and prepping people, I feel like, stretching people to understand that this blessing of God's, this story of God's was not just for one group. That God was bigger than that and yeah. was on the move Yeah, outside of that. Yeah, Jesus follows very much the pattern that we see in the Old Testament of God's work with Israel. I mean, like there's even that instance where a woman comes up asking for a miracle and and he says, my mission is to the lost sheep of Israel. And, you know, I, you know, right. which is unnerving. It's a very that. unnerving yeah. story when he says, like, you know, you don't take the food from the children and give it to the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, oh, my gosh. Jesus is like being racist. And, yeah. and I think that 
okay, that's this whole story we won't get into right now, but the woman's response reveals that she actually gets it, right? Like that that God's work is not limited. Right. You know, that that's kind of what's really going Josh, on there. Because that like fits with, I mean, there is so much to unpack. I'm kind of bummed we brought that up without unpacking it all. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. But to your point, that story actually really exemplifies what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. That there's someone who's on the outside mm-hmm. who, um, if we just like superimpose, like who a Christian would not have thought would know anything about God and yet she knows more. Yeah, Jesus says, I haven't found greater faith, right, than this. or like Than this person yeah. outside of, or yeah. He's, or he's astounded by her faith. Right, I forget right. the exact wording. Right. Yeah, that's it. Like, she gets it that that <clears throat> what God is doing in this specific place is going to overflow. Yeah. And the, the image she uses is, you know, there are scraps that fall off the table and to the dogs. To the dogs, And yeah. Jesus is like, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a weird, very weird story, but it is exactly what we're talking about, that this woman sees that there are ramifications, right? And Jesus, I, th- I think this is the point. When Jesus heals these people or interacts with these people, he doesn't first require them to shift allegiance in some way, yeah. right? He doesn't tell the Roman, okay, like, Stop being a Roman centurion, renounce your position and rank, and then I'll heal your servant. Right. You know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't um, tell the Samaritan woman, like, renounce your desire to worship at, on the, at the wrong place and, you know, that, that tension yeah. that they yeah. had, and then I will, you right. know, right. There aren't, reveal to you what's going on here. Like, it's, There's not a clause with, with Jesus. Not like, a clause, yeah. He's almost like, it. this is a story in motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want in. it? It's happening. It's happening. You can like, join in the stream. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So I think part of what we want to do in the podcast today, though, is compare that to the way we as Christians so often interact with yeah. non-believers yeah, yeah. or with people outside of the church or outside of our circle. Yeah. There's one more passage that I think brings that tension to light. Okay. And that is in John 10. A beloved section of scripture for many people mm-hmm. where Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. And oh, we love this passage. Like, Jesus is my shepherd. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sheep in Jesus' pasture, right? And it's a beautiful passage where Jesus is using several shepherding illustrations, like the shepherd, the sheep, the gate, all this mm-hmm. stuff. But then, and we always read to this point, right, where uh, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Yeah. I have almost always heard this passage stopped right there. Always, actually. Always. Me, always. But In the fact, next I'm verse. I'm reading ahead, everyone. I'm a little <laughs> surprised. <laughs> the next verse. Very next verse. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. And so, okay, there, in the part that we cut off so often in our reading, Jesus lays it out. And that is the passage that then, right after this, the Jews are divided because of these words, and many of them are saying, he has a demon and is out of his mind. Oh my gosh. It's not because he's talking about shepherding. They get that. It's because (laughs) he says, oh, actually, those Gentiles, they're my sheep too. And they are in another pasture, but I'm going to bring them in. And and that pisses everyone off. But that, I think, exemplifies then and now the division yeah. that we tend to make. It's kind of like, 
oh, for God to do work with you, you have to join this pasture. You have mm-hmm. to be part of this field. You have to join this church. You have to become a Christian. And then the kingdom of God is available to you. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, they're already my sheep. I have sheep in another pasture. I yeah. have sheep in another field, right? They don't belong to this fold, but I'm going to bring them in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sense of relevance, that sense of lordship, mm-hmm is already in place Mm. yeah and that's that's kind of where i think our sense of christianity as a belief system as an ideology as a teaching is running rampant in this kind of division Mm -hmm. today Mm -hmm. right yeah so interesting because i'm i'm thinking about this i'm trying to (laughs) i'm trying to think about this and how it plays out And I'm remembering doing youth ministry and wanting to do interactive, like kind of like prayer stations, like having some um, more physical things that students could do that would help further open them up to the Spirit of God. And like it got a lot of great feedback, but from some people more so um, in like a neo-reformed position, they were upset about it because they they were saying, how could that be beneficial because those kids don't have, they haven't accepted Jesus, so the Holy Spirit isn't going to speak to them. Mm. Like they were like, no, you're, why would you do that right now? Because we know those, they, we, they didn't why, say this, why would but, you create opportunities for kids who aren't Christians to encounter God? To encounter God. And yeah, well, I don't think that. That sounds terrible. That was not what they were saying. <laughs> but it was like, no, there's an order of events, Allison, and it's mm. accept Jesus, and then you can experience the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I was saying, no, I think that the Holy Spirit can totally show up to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not give more venues for these kids to walk into that and yeah. like see that the Holy Spirit is a part of their life? Um, so yeah, it's just yeah a little example that I'm thinking about. Yeah, it's interesting to me that we have a, a belief in a God of the world, a God of right. creation, a God who wants to restore and redeem. And yet we believe there are people who are somehow unable to access that. Right. And part of that is because we have created a system. And again, we've written a formula. We've written this formula. We've mm-hmm. told the story in a way where, you know, it's, it's, it's us and them. And so well, what is the goal of Christianity? What's the story of Christianity in an us and them system? To make more of them into more of us, mm-hmm. you know? But the whole point of Christianity is not to get more players on your team, kind of using that illustration from earlier. It's it's sad. It's tragic. And, and there's nothing wrong with people becoming Christians or whatever, like if God invites Well, yeah, because I think some point of Christianity is to baptize and yeah, make, make disciples. Yeah, make disciples. Sure, sure, so. sure. But... <laughs> But Clarify a little. We limit that in so many ways. Yes. And yes. and this is the whole point. This is the whole idea. If this story is for everyone. Mm-hmm. There is no one you have ever met in your life, no one you will ever meet, who cannot in some way be positively impacted by the kingdom, who cannot in some way be impacted by God's love. Or be participating in the gospel. Yeah. Outside of what you might be able to... Um, rationally yeah. <laughs> fit into our categories. And there are people who can be actively act- participating against it, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they are somehow cut off, mm-hmm. you know, or that God is unable to work. And I think that that is 
the tricky thing where we are dissatisfied with the system and part of that dissatisfaction comes from the fact that we have written a lot of people in this world mm. off. People that now more and more of us are opening our eyes up and like, oh, I'm learning their stories. I'm seeing their perspectives. I'm I'm learning about their cultures. And maybe they're not as different or less than. Or evil. That I've been told, as I've been told. Yeah. You know? Um, it's kind of like this idea that why do we think we have to convert people for them to then be like, I don't know, loved by God. Yeah, <laughs> like right. deep down, that's what it really is. Yeah, we yeah. believe for someone to experience the love of God, the benefits or, of God, honestly, whatever. Honestly, to be loved by God. To be loved by God. I think it could yeah. go that far. I mean, most Christians would not say that. No. They would not say that. But, but that's our how we live. actions yeah. speak louder than that word, right? right? Like Jesus loves you, but you need to do these 25 things. Right. Jesus loves you, but all of our systems exist for me. <laughs> so if you, if you want to experience that love get in this come on get in. in this lane yeah, yeah. interesting so Ugh. early on in this podcast like wait a year ago we did this illustration you remember this where we talked about like you're the hero of the story yeah that was like our second or third episode right and we yeah. talked about each person in a way is the hero of the god yes, the story god yes. wants to tell yep. in their life and i like the illustration we used was star wars yes and so i want to talk about that a okay little bit. like so we said okay there's this story where like god wants you to be the the luke skywalker who blows up the death star right okay so like yeah i still believe that i still believe that that each one of us is is the hero of our own story that god's telling yes so let's follow that through to its okay, natural okay. conclusion. There's a lot of people in that scene in the movie who are like launching this attack on this base of evil that, you know, is exerting oppression across the empire, across the universe, whatever. And they fight and they win and they blow up the Death Star. There are in that hypothetical world, billions of people, planets and planets and planets full of mm. people and creatures and aliens who weren't part of that battle uh, who maybe didn't even know it happened, but who will benefit from the actions of those few. Interesting. They will not have their planets exploded <laughs> by, right, by the right. empire. Yes, I got and that. And I think in the <laughs> same way, you know, the hmm. goal in part might be to recruit some people to the fight. And it also might be to fight some oppression and injustice and evil in this world so that others benefit. And so when I say there is no one you meet who can't benefit from the love of God, part of that is a, a view of what God wants to do in the world that is bigger than make converts. Personal salvation. Yeah, and get yeah. people into heaven. Yeah. It's the restoration of all things. Yeah. And yes. so we need to look at people and see them for the potential of restoration that God maybe wants to work in their life. And part of that might be, you know, Conversion. I don't think conversion is necessarily a bad word. Um, part of that might be justice. Yeah. Part of that might be relational healing. Yeah. You know, whatever it yeah. is, there's innumerable ways. Shalom, yeah. yeah, shalom, peace. Yeah. And so if we were able as Christians to shift our view when we mm -hmm. encounter people, mm -hmm. especially people who are very different from us, into kind of that portrait. That, yeah. You know, then, like what is God doing? Yeah. What might God be doing in this individual and also in the world yeah. that is part of a kingdom, his kingdom work? Yeah. Or that um, that is part of the gospel. Yeah. Bearing bearing hold on this story. Yeah. Now, one thing as like as a, as we're kind of saying this, I think that we need to be careful of is that kind of thinking. I think can still lead to like almost a paternalistic or kind of like 
I'm the savior. Oh. Like looking at people and be like, what does God want to do for those poor people? You know, like that kind of thing. So I think we need to be really careful about that. And I loved what you said earlier about looking for God out in the wilderness. Um, because I think that's the solution, right? It's not mm-hmm. asking like, oh, how do these people get more of what I have? It's And that's what leads back to that us versus them. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of like... Where is God moving here? How is God working here? What is God longing to do in this situation? And in that way, we're not like evaluating people on some kind of scale where I have something that they need from me. Hmm. And that's, I think, very problematic when that happens. Yeah. So, well, most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) to wrap up, Jesus doesn't exist just for Christians. Right. And the audience, the, yeah, the audience is bigger than just said church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and without maybe even knowing it, I think a lot of the foul taste that mm. many of us have in our mouth is from that thinking that we've missed the audience of this story. We've limited it. Yeah. And so, if you're feeling frustrated with the church, its systems, institutions, Christianity, whatever, maybe take a look. Who is the audience of the story you've been told? Interesting. Yeah. And if it's not everyone, then maybe reevaluate that story. Yeah. So we're going to keep talking about this story going forward, trying to reclaim it, reframe it. Uh, But we hope that this has been helpful, at least challenging, or maybe helps (laughs) you think of your neighbors in a new way. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Leave Leave us a comment on Instagram. We're still... We're still hopping on there every once in a while. And or um, write us a review if what we've said has been irksome or meaningful for you. (laughs) Probably irksome. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Bye.